a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in this week's episode of It's Utah as well. Tom Hackett, Steve Butter with you guys as always. Hey, Steve, we missed you last week, man. How was oh, the uh, how was the seven on seven? Seven on seven was good, man. And, you know, I was uh, was listening to you and Mitch go back and forth. Shout out to Mitch for, for filling in. There's no other – there's maybe one other BYU media member that I would love to fill in for me. Uh, but Mitch, Mitch is right there. Number one, number two, he's right there in the mix. Uh, love Mitch and love what he brings to the table. Love the podcast that you guys did last week, kind of talking about Sataki Butt. That seven on seven last week was great, man. It was uh, it was it was weird in the fact of of getting back to like watching football, um, but it was it was a lot of fun. A lot of the the local players really stood out, uh, and a familiar name, uh, Leonard Barton, uh, really really impressed. So it was uh, it was a pretty good event. Is he the? Uh, oh, by the way, if you if you hear a screaming child in the background, uh, I do apologize. Uh, the Mrs. Kate, she's trying to deal as best as she can with old bubbles, but you know, as as new parents, uh, as the world of new parents kind of goes, sometimes he uh, he just he does his own thing. So I do you, apologize. Yeah. Hopefully, it doesn't intrude. You can understand what we're saying throughout the podcast. Is Leonard Barton the brother of Cody and Jackson? Yes, Lander Barton is the younger Lander, brother. Sorry. Yeah, so it's Land. Yeah, so Lander is uh, he's the youngest of the Barton family, uh, and I mean, if we're if we're being serious, like he's he may be the best football prospect of the entire family. We'll see. I mean, obviously, wow. that's a lot to live up to because you know both of his brothers are in the NFL now. Um, but, but Lander, man, coming out of high school, this kid has a lot of tools to work with and it'll be fun. He's going to be just a junior this year. And there were, there were kids going to be seniors at this event and he was dominating. He stood out above all of them. So he's, he's a pretty good football player already. What position does he play, Steve? So he plays up at Brighton. Uh, he's, he currently plays linebacker. Okay. Uh, but, man, he's got the size where he could potentially grow into a defensive end. Uh, he was playing receiver, tight end type of a thing. Obviously, it's seven on seven. So, right. you know, it's, it's a little different. But he was playing receiver. And, you know, that was where he really kind of shined was on the offense side of the ball. He would go up over multiple defenders. He had, uh, uh, I think, four, four touchdown catches uh, in the corner of the end zone where he just went up over everybody and brought it down, you know, in traffic was just like, again, he was just on a different level than everybody else there at the event. It was impressive. Yeah. It's so so interesting. Um, as I think back to Jackson and Cody, you, you'd know more. So correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but Jackson was the higher profiled recruit coming out of high school. And, uh, and got playing time earlier than than Cody did in his career, but you know I think you could probably argue, and, and most people would agree that Cody ended up having the better of the college careers. Now, granted, they're both in 
the NFL. So Jackson's college career was still uh, really good. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, long story short, I did see uh, an interview of uh, Jackson Barton with a local media personality here in, in the state, and and he didn't mm-hmm. give too many hints as to where he was going. I'm sure you saw the same thing, but but uh, he, he did hint that Utah's atop the priority list, which is uh, to nobody's surprise, I guess, but um, your crystal ball at the minute is going to? To Utah. Nice. Man, I put that back in back in like November. As soon as I could put one in on Leonard Barton, I put that in for Utah so fast. Man, he's he, he's I like and here's the thing, here's the thing to keep in mind. With a player like like Lander, who is going to be one of the top prospects, you know, in the class in twenty twenty two, there's there's gonna be a lot of chatter of other programs, but uh, I think ultimately he ends up at Utah, much like Jackson Barton and has hinted at and, and other things. So I think ultimately he ends up at Utah. Jackson was a four-star recruit, I believe, right? Cody right. probably a three, yep. if I were to guess. What do you reckon mm-hmm. Lander is going to end up? Is he a potentially four-star guy? So, I mean, we've talked about it. Like, he's already – so he's a borderline four-star just based on his rating. He's rated an 89 with us, and and – the distinguishing factor between the three and four star is once you hit 90, like you're, you're considered a four star prospect in our rankings at 24 seven sports. If Lander goes to and does all the camp circuit and everything like that, where he competes against some of the other top prospects and shines, which we believe that he can do because he has not only his skills, but he's got that mentality of, you know, just being a competitive dude and, and wanting to, to let people know about it. Like if he does the camp circuit and impresses the right people, he's got a pos- he's got a chance at not just being a four star, but a five star prospect. He's like, he is that good already. And just as long as he, he gets out and, and, and is seen uh, by the right people, he'll, he'll be up there for sure. Wow. That's, that's exciting news for, uh, for Utah fans looking ahead to the future. Um, hey, I've got a story that uh, probably worth getting to. I was, I was uh, I was at my in-laws last Sunday, and uh, and I was taking a video of my wife on a bicycle, uh, electric bicycle. So you know, warranted a video. I wasn't creepy, kind of just you know trying to see the the definition of of of, of my my wife's quads as she pedals. Ooh. You know, although wow, yeah. are they good now? Uh, and a motorcycle drove by Harley. You know, vroom vroom. You know, uh-huh. what do they call these? Yeah, like the handlebar things. You know the. Yeah, the the monkey bars. The monkey bars. Yeah, that's the word. I was Gorilla thinking. bars. I think Gorilla they're eight bars. bars, actually. Whatever yeah. they are, they're the, the ones yeah. that you raise up high. And um, mm-hmm. and it was Coach Whittingham, and I was like, oh. Coach, uh, how you doing? <laughs> he had his lovely wife Jamie on the back, and uh, he was uh, visiting his son Tyler, who happens to live just a couple streets up from uh, the in-laws. And we had a chat, and it was fun. Uh, but he wasn't wearing a helmet, and so I uh, I. I told him, I said, Coach, you've got to be wearing a helmet, man. What, what are you doing? And uh, he, uh, well, he didn't give me an answer, which was very intimidating. But uh, long story short, I saw Coach Whittingham last week for the first time in, boy, it must have been a couple months. Because I, uh, I tend to, if I'm ever around the facility, I'll, I'll go in and, and just say hi, you know, right. kind of, you know, interrupt very important meetings and, uh, you know, chew the you fact. You can do that. Well, I don't know if I can, but I do. And, uh, you know, they yet. Okay, fair. My code still works, believe it or not. Oh. I've actually had uh, conversations with Rudy. I'm like, why haven't you 
changed my code. He's like, you want me to? I said, no, 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 no. I like, I like the access. Trust me. But it, yeah, it's, Seems anyway, um, but yeah, Coach Witz well. Just in case you guys are wondering, Steve and uh, and everybody that's listening, he's doing well. He's healthy. He's excited to be back in the office, and uh, of course, more excited to uh, to slowly trickle in the players as they've been able to do so over what is it now? Two weeks. Yeah, two weeks, man. It's been two weeks. They started June fifteenth, bringing all these kids back, and you know, uh, actually, I think what was it, June eighth? I think they started. I can't remember. All the dates are fuzzy now, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been two, three weeks since they started bringing kids back, and you know, it's been fun to to see the uh, the Twitter accounts, the Instagram accounts, posting pictures of the guys coming in and that kind of thing. It's it's good to see that, man. I I hope that we continue to trend this way and getting back to you know to some sense of normalcy. Obviously, it's things won't get back to normal for some time, but. It's just good to see that that they're back in the facility, back in the program, and you know we can kind of figure out from here what what's going to happen next. Yeah, I and I'm curious. I want to have this conversation with you, Steve, because um, there was a there was an athletic director. In fact, I'll pull up the quote right now from the SEC, who was quoted today saying, uh, "Quote at this point, we do not know what the 2020 football season will look like. Our goal." is to communicate the plan for the season in early August. We want to be able to gather as much information as possible, working with the SEC office and the member institutions before any decisions are made. Uh, And again, I I don't exactly know which athletic director that was, but uh, that was a quote from an SEC athletic director today, which happens to be Friday, June 26th. Are you... um, I guess, are you feeling as comfortable and as confident as you once were that there would be a football season? Or are you starting to think that maybe we're entering danger signs? You know, this is such, this is something where it changed, it seems, week to week, right, Tom? Like, yeah. we've, we've gone back and forth on this ourselves, you know, a handful of times. And I'll be honest, like, um, with with the positive tests and everything like that, I think the reality is set in that you know this is going to be a difficult thing to to manage. Like if you if we're really trying to limit exposure for these athletes, how exactly are we going to do? Like just the the reality, the logistics of it all is starting to really kind of settle in that yeah, these guys like they're gonna be like bumping heads. You know what I mean? Like they're gonna be breathing on each other for for months at a time and like. You know, so just that makes it difficult. I do still think that we're going to have a season because football is so important for not just at the athletics department, but for the entire university with the money and revenue that they generate. They Schools, universities, they need that money. And, and I just don't think that you can – you can cancel the season. I don't think that you can necessarily push it back to spring. I do think that we're going to have some sort of season, but it's going to be a season where there are going to be games canceled because of coronavirus tests, players testing positive team. A team is going to forfeit a game because of, you know, issues with the pandemic and that kind of thing. It's going to be a weird season. It's going to be a season of just things that we've never seen before, and I think that's kind of where I'm getting to is I do believe that we'll have football, 
but it's going to be a, a roller coaster of a season with, with everything that this pandemic is going to bring to the table. So uh, again, this morning, Friday, June 26th, the NBA announced that 16 players tested positive during the first bout of testing. I think they, they tested roughly 300-odd players. Um, that's concerning. Uh, you, we can argue as to whether or not 16 is a high number or not. But what, what had me more pessimistic, I guess would be the PGA Tour. Uh, I'm an avid golfer. You're, you are now an avid I got the golfer. Bug. You got the bug. Yeah, I've got talk, the bug. We can, we can talk about that. Um, <laughs> they, they, so they've done 3,000 tests since they returned, and we're in week three at the minute, the Travelers Championship going on right now. Tony Finau, by the way, for all you local golf lovers. He's on the verge of making the cup, but he's also on the verge of missing it, so it'll be interesting. We'll keep an, keep an eye on that at KSL Sports. Anywho, uh, they've had uh, seven, I think, players and or caddies test positive of the 3,000. And I think right. when you break that down, it's like 0.25%. So they've done a really good job of, of limiting kind of close contact, maintaining social distance, wearing masks when they're not playing or or in a practice round, but you know, to see seven, to see seven players and caddies on the PGA Tour test, but that to me is almost more concerning than the sixteen NBA because, you know, these guys are out in—I don't want to say wilderness, but they're out in 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 yeah. whatever environment they're in, playing right. golf on acres of land. Uh, they don't ever come in contact with anybody besides either the player or the caddy. And uh, so I think it's inevitable, Steve, at this point we can pretty comfortably say somebody on the University of Utah, let alone college football for crying out loud, but somebody on the University of Utah football team is going to test positive. Um, What happens from then? I, I don't know. You probably have to quarantine everybody that that person's been in contact with. Um, and if they, you know, if they hold, I guess, team meetings are all done via Zoom, so they're not going to be in kind of a team meeting environment, but they are, you know, there is the potential small groups. If they ever get to that point, they might. So, and then, of course, if it happens during the season, which, again, if it doesn't happen to Utah, I can almost guarantee you that somebody in the Pac-12, a certain player from a certain team is going to test positive. And what if that player was actually a key member and, and, and participated in a number of snaps the week before. You know, it's just, it's, it's so complicated and difficult to figure out how the Pac-12, how the NCAA is going to try and best monitor all of that without just cancelling everything. I, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do, Steve. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is a difficult situation regardless of which way you you elect to go and and that's kind of the thing is like are you going to allow the pandemic to uh to cancel the season and you lose out and damage yourself economically where you're you're not necessarily ruined but a lot of programs are going to be on life support and that kills uh quite a bit of opportunity and kills uh just life you know and and so it's 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 a delicate balance, man. Like obviously, the health and safety of players comes first and foremost. And I don't want it to sound like I'm, 
you know, we got to save the economy and we got to, you know, sacrifice these. Like, that's not what it's about, man. I'm, I'm all about these players maintaining their safety and, and everything like that. So it's, it's, it's going to be difficult to manage this. And, you know, I was, I was at lunch with, or, or at dinner with a couple of friends, a couple of close podcast friends. Uh, and one of them brought up the point, like, look, they play at Cal at the end of September. You really think they're going to play that game in the Bay area? And, you know, it, like the reality kind of hit me like, man, I, I don't know. Like that's, that's the issue is like now it just, like I said earlier, the reality of it all is just kind of trying to, is, is just starting to settle in. Like, yeah, they're going to have to travel to the Bay area. They're going to have to travel to, to Oregon. They're going to have to, or, or Washington or whatever, you know, and it just makes this difficult to, to figure out how to handle it. And so, yeah, like that's kind of the, the thing of it all, like back to your point, Tom, is there are going to be players that test positive. Like there's no doubt that the question is not if, but how many. Right. And, and so that's going to be fascinating to see how they handle it and how they adjust their, um, their course, their phases that they've set out at the University of Utah. It'll, you know, if, if we see adjustments made, I think that'll, that'll be kind of telling into what's going on uh, with the players and their health, because I think they've stated that they're not going to release names or, or test right. numbers publicly. And so I think it's going to be, it, it's going to be important to focus on, you know, if they change anything, if they, you know, adjust anything, those kind of things will be telling, uh, you know, in regards to what's going on inside the program. Uh, depending on, on how the next couple of weeks play out, uh, I'm going to assume that the conversation surrounding hubs gets brought into into things more so than it has um, for a couple of reasons. I think coaches uh, could could obviously pull it off. Uh, granted, they have family, and whether or not family is allowed to go is is another topic of conversation. But I think most players in college football, right, literally, you know, specifically outside of the state of Utah, I think. The University of Utah, BYU in particular, a lot of those guys are married. Most college kids at Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Colorado, Arizona, those other Pac-12 schools, they're not married for the most part. You know, may, maybe one or, or even two on, on any given football teams, a married man. But for the most part, I think, you know, you could probably drag college football teams to a, to a hub of sorts and and do this do the football season that way um where that hub will take place i have no idea maybe out in the middle of the desert but you know <laughs> if there's no fans you you just need a football field you right. can play it at a high school football field you know it, it doesn't really matter where the game's being played because there's no fans so there's no there's necessarily no advantage to have you know a couple hundred fans in the stadium right. cheering on utah it, at that point, doesn't mean anything. So it'll be interesting, certainly, to see where um, college football goes. I think over the next week or two, Steve. You know, depending on how the virus is handled throughout, not just Utah but America, the United States. I think that'll also play a big, big role into the decision makers of the powers that be in the college football landscape. And um, I guess I'm still optimistic. I, I do yeah. think there will be football played. 
Um, but I, I just, I must admit, I'm a little more anxious as to how it's going to unfold. You know, Utah, obviously, with a spike right. uh, that we're in the midst of. Um, how long will that last? Will we be able to get that under control? Other, other states around the, the country dealing with the same thing. In fact, I think the United States as a whole is uh, is going through it, you know, along with Utah, some states better than others. But uh, it, it's going to be fascinating, and, and certainly we're going to be talking about it a ton of, over, the, over the coming weeks and, and months uh, because it'll determine essentially whether or not there's a football season to talk about. Yeah. And um, uh, who knows, I guess, is, right. is the real answer. Uh, Dr. Fauci may... Uh, but uh, it seems like Mr. Fauci losing fans every week. So we'll see how many people listen to him. But um, we should end the conversation uh, just with an update on Scally, I, I think is, is kind of what we should do. Um, unless, I guess, before we get to that, you, you talked about the Barton brother earlier. Is there any more recruiting news, Steve, that you want to get to? Yeah, man. So, there, uh, there's a running back by the name of Ricky Parks out of Tampa Bay, Florida. Another uh, one. He's, yeah, yeah. You, we love them Florida running backs. We Ooh. love them. We love them. And so, and this one, you know, actually, you know, he he compares kind of nicely to to the, the to the last one that that ran the ball at Utah and Zach Moss. So Ricky Parks out of Tampa, he will be announcing June 28th. Uh, and this is coming down to Iowa and Utah. Those are the top two contenders for him. Um, the overwhelming favorite, according to the analysts at 24-7 Sports, has been Iowa. However, I've been in communication with certain people, and uh, I've been growing quietly confident in, in Utah's ability to land his commitment, uh, and I am... I think I'm going to throw in a crystal ball prediction for Utah uh, on Ricky Parks. I, I, it's, it's not an overwhelmingly confident pick, but it's one where I've been, I've been given enough insight into what's going on with Ricky and, and how he feels about Utah to, to feel comfortable with putting one in. So, again, Ricky Parks and this kid – like I, like I was explaining earlier with Lander Barton, where Lander Barton is currently rated an 89, which is a high three-star. He's a borderline four-star. Ricky Parks is similarly ranked, where he, he was originally, when he first was rated and ranked by 24-7 Sports as a sophomore, he was originally ranked a four-star prospect. His junior season, he struggled with injuries and, and didn't perform as well as his sophomore year and was just kind of bumped a little bit because of that. Uh, and so this is another kid where he's got four-star talent uh, and uh, a really good back. So I'm going to put in a crystal ball prediction on Ricky uh, and, uh, and we'll wait till June 28th to see what he announces. But uh, that'll, be a, that'll be a fun one to see, uh, see what happens on June 28th. Five foot ten, one hundred ninety-two pounds. So outside of, of course, Iowa and Utah, you've got offers from Florida State. Kentucky, uh, Louisville, you know, pretty good program, or at least it used uh-huh. to be when Lamar Jackson was there. Uh, Penn State, I, w- I would consider, you know, a top-tier college football program. Uh, and I'll even throw South Carolina in the mix yeah. as well, an SEC school. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall's Virginia, 
uh, have an offer out there as well. So, I mean, we're talking about a, a pretty solid list of yeah. teams that are after this this cat. And uh, would it be nice if Utah could land yet another running back? I, I don't know why you'd consider Iowa, but uh, especially with all the news that they're kind of dealing with, I mean, that doesn't make a, a ton of sense. But uh, And it's Iowa, you know, regardless right. of whatever yeah, it's article Iowa. they're trying. But- it's, it's bloody Iowa. You know, where is Iowa? Iowa sounds a lot like Idaho to me, but there's no potatoes. Iowa. Anyway. Uh, Iowa. Utah. Okay, Utah's got how many running backs on the roster? They've, they, they've got TJ Green, uh, Jordan Wilmore, Devin Brumfield, the two expected kind of one-two mm-hmm. combo for Utah. And then that Texas kid, remind me of his name, Steve? Ty Jordan. Ty, Ty Jordan. And he was a, was he a three- or a four-star kid? He was he was another one of those borderline four star kids. Ended up a three star, but but he's you know he's he's talented. And uh, I'm sure they've got a few other guys on on the running back. Makai Bernard, Charlie Vincent. So it's loaded. Yeah, it's wow. loaded. So they are packing that running back room for. Yeah. I just think you know I think for for Utah to have such a deep running back group at the minute to to be considered by three four star prospects. You know, despite how large a group there already is at Utah, I think that goes to show uh, the impact that the running backs at the University of Utah have been able to have on the younger generation. You know, five, six years ago, there's no way Ricky Parks would be considering Utah specifically with, you know, the, the amount of talent already in the program. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It, it speaks a lot to how much progress Utah has made on the recruiting trail that they can go to Florida and not only that, but they've done this without Ricky parks having taken a visit to Utah and, and he's visited Iowa twice, which I mean, again, just speaks to uh, the coaching staff's ability as recruiters to develop relationships with these kids. And again, I'm not saying it's a slam dunk. It's Utah, but the fact that they are considered the top two uh, with Iowa uh, speaks to just their ability as as recruiters. Kyle McDonald deserves a lot of credit here for kind of laying the foundation and building the relationship with him. Uh, but you know, Andy Ludwig, um, while he's not particular, while he's not necessarily recruiting him, his offense uh, really is is beneficial to a lot of running backs. They recognize that. And going back to his time at Vanderbilt, where you know, he utilized two to three running backs in his offense every game. And I think that kind of speaks and helps Utah's pitch to these running backs and why they were able to kind of build their, their running back stable. If you have that depth at that position, then all the more power to you, you know, right. to, to be able to rotate and have guys, you know, much closer to 100% healthy and, and raring to go, I think, you know, certainly can be beneficial. Uh, this this conversation triggered another thought I, I had that we, we should quickly get to, and I know we're, we are running out right. of time. We do want to get to the Scally yeah. uh, situation. Um, I saw something on Twitter by uh, Pick 6 Previews, who uh, for all you Twitter junkies out there I'm sure are familiar with, uh, they're, they're a rather credible um, platform i guess i don't know profile on twitter anyway they listed their and i don't have it in front of me but they listed their top wide receiver units going into 2020 uh and it was either top 15 or top 20 do you did you see this oh yeah okay oh, so yeah. you can take you take over because you oh, probably yeah. know where they sit where'd they fall yeah uh i so they finished so brett ciancia who is the guy behind pick six previews 
He has Utah's receiving core uh, third in the Pac-12, which is pretty significant. But the bigger thing that I'm sh- that you're talking about here, uh-huh. Tom, is where they fall nationally. And when you look at this, I believe they. they I'm checking right now, uh, but they rank 14th in the country. Uh, is where Brett Ciancia ranks Utah's wide receivers and tight end group. Again, in the country, he ranks Utah's receivers and tight ends 14th in the country. So, I mean, we're talking, you know, this is an obvious statement, but the Oregons, Clemsons, Bamas, Ohio States, Michigans, you know, Penn States, these really big players, Texas, we saw firsthand what they were capable of at the wide receiver position late last year. Um, you know, Utah is right up there. According yeah. to uh, Pick Six previews, which is cool, and I thought I saw that, and I thought, my goodness, I thought, you know, I, I figured that Utah's wide receiving depth and core was pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. I I didn't realize that people had them that highly talented. If they can figure yeah. out, Steve, how to better utilize the wide receiving group and and the relationship with whoever the quarterback is going to be, I, I mean, I'm adamant. You know, despite having to replace nine defensive starters, I'm adamant Utah makes its way out of the Pac-12 South again and competes for a third consecutive Pac-12 championship. I'm adamant. It's been the one yeah. position group, in in my opinion, that I don't want to say has let the team down because, you know, that seems a little harsh. They've been good, but they haven't been great. And and, and if right. they can find a way to get become great, then, boy, this this football program, I'm just telling you, can take yet another step in the right direction. Would you agree? I absolutely agree, Tom. And and it's not just Brett Cienza, Ciencia and Pick Six Previews, you know, that's high on on these Utah receivers. I know. So Premium Football Focus, so Pro Football Focus, which is uh, they they grade NFL games, they grade also NCAA games. I'm I'm a, script, a subscriber, and you know, I've got a, a nice little working relationship with PFF. They rate and grade these receivers pretty highly as well. They haven't put out any sort of preseason publication yet, but I know that, you know, guys like Brent Keithy, Jalen Dixon, they're the top graded receivers returning this season in the Pac-12. That speaks a lot to what Utah is is bringing back. And now you add a a healthier Britton Covey than what he was last year. You, You throw him back into the mix. There's plenty of reason to be optimistic about what this group has done is, is going to do this season. So long again as they find some way, some quarterback, whether it be Cameron Rising, whether it be Bentley or Drew Lisk, whoever it is, as long as they can effectively and efficiently, you know, throw the ball to these receivers, they're gonna do some they're gonna do some good things this year. I agree. And another name to add to that that short list that you spoke of and you know, there's an argument out there that even more so than Brant Keithy, he's the most important player to the list, is is Brian Thompson. I, I think Brian yeah. Thompson's potential, Steve, is out of this world. He's, you know, right. so fast and big and physical, good hands, you know, everything you want at that position. He's just had a really rough go with with of course the injuries and and so he's gonna be paramount if if Utah is uh, is to make another crack at at that you know coveted Pac-12 championship right. they have longed for uh, the better part now of of a decade. Um, Scally, all right, let's end there. Uh, you know, we should preface this by saying this: there's a ton of information that 
we can't share for, for obvious reasons. And I do want to give right. credit where credit's due. Steve, you are in the know. You know, I've got my, my sources that I can get, you know, a few bits, tidbit information here and there. But I'm telling you, people, if, if you're in, into the inside, Steve Bartle, my good friend on this podcast, is the man. So I'm going to let you handle it. Um, and again, you know, a lot of the information we can't talk about. But I think it's, it's fair to say, Steve, and you can elaborate on this, that we are getting very, very close to uh, to hearing uh, the ruling, if you will, from uh, the third party investigation that's currently taking place. Yeah. So, uh, like I, I published a story about this earlier this week, but just the timeline of of what's going on uh, was informed earlier this week that the investigation has concluded and and they've finished. They've given. They've basically gathered all the information, all the insight, all the intel uh, that they can gather. They've done that through interviews with uh, a large number of, of different people, um, people that include colleagues, people that include former recruits, families, uh, just a, a laundry list of, of people uh, have, have been interviewed and, and, and just this, this firm has, has done a thorough job of, of investigating and looking into Scally's conduct at his time uh, at Utah, and, and so they've concluded they've they've basically wrapped everything up. They've gathered all the information, and, and it's now in the hands uh, of those decision makers at Utah. And so I don't know exactly when Utah is going to announce, um, you know, what they decide to do uh, with with Coach Scally. I, I have not been given any indication as to when that is going to happen, but uh, I'm pretty pretty comfortable in saying that the the investigation is is over that it's basically now just kind of a, a wait and see game um for for the press release for the press conference i don't even know what they're going to do exactly i would expect it to be a press release um uh, from the university of utah and just kind of announcing you know what's going to happen moving forward to add to that I, I i will say from a timeline standpoint um I'm pretty comfortable and confident rather in saying next week, I, I imagine. Um, I remember speaking to you a, a few weeks ago now. You, you kind of said end of June, first week of July, and, and that time frame has held true. We're in, you know, we're in the back end of, of June. We're about to enter the, the, the beginning week of, of, uh, of course, July. So, um, I think sooner rather than later is right. the word that I'm hearing. Um, but an exact timeline, exact date is, is of course, to be determined. But um, we wish everybody up there at the U yeah. uh, the best because, you know, yeah. I think, and we were kind of talking about this off the record um, or, or not, not off the record. I guess nothing we say is off the record. We're, we're part of the media. But um, before the podcast, before we hit record, we were talking about this. You know, I think, Whatever decision is made, there is there is going to be backlash that follows. Yeah. Um, and the university is going to be well aware of that. Ruth Watkins is going to play a role. Mark Harlan, of course, is going to play a role. And Kyle Whittingham, I, I imagine, are kind of the three biggest um, influences, if you will, on, on the findings of this uh, said investigation. But uh, this time next week, or, you know, Steve, I think what we should do is probably when the news drops, maybe uh, later that day, we'll, we'll get together yeah. and 
record a podcast. Yeah. We'll obviously be pretty busy um, immediately following the the press release with uh, our own yeah. stories and whatnot. You can check uh, my work and my colleagues' work out at kslsports.com. Steve uh, is a part of two, uh, Ute Zone, which is a 247 affiliate, and uh, mm-hmm. utezone.com is where you can go to check out Steve's work. It's tremendous. I'm telling you, it's, it's as good as it gets from a Utah standpoint. And, of course, lastly, Steve, we can't get out of here without saying uh, thank you to our, our really good and beloved friends at Nate Wade Subaru, uh, the oldest Subaru dealership in the entire country. You heard that correctly. And here's the deal. You know, on top of, you hear me harp about it uh, time and time again, you hear me harp about their low-pressure buying experience and, and all that. I'm going to change it up on everybody right now. Okay, 0% financing, up to 63 months on all new, right? This is new, not used. 2020 Outbacks, Ascents, Foresters, Legacies, and Impresses. I mean, they are asking you to come down and get a deal. You know, they're not, you know, they're telling you, you won't find a better deal in the market. You hear me harp on about it time and time again. And uh, I, I, it's just, you know, the truth. So go down there, tell them Stephen and, and myself said, uh, said hello. Uh, and, and if anything, as we talk about, just enjoy the free popcorn, will you? Yeah, yes, assuming, I guess please. assuming they still have the free popcorn with COVID and all, they probably don't want too many hands digging. Maybe they already have, you know, pre-packaged popcorn. For, Dis- yeah, dispensed, yeah. I guarantee. I mean, maybe I go down there this weekend. I can suss it out for you and, and give you an update next week. But um, <laughs> but anyway, long story short, uh, Steve, it's always a pleasure. Uh, well, okay. Um, love it. I love it too. Uh, I've only got, I've got four minutes until I have to be doing something else. Are you still playing golf? Dude, I did. I I did a quick nine this morning. I, I didn't even finish because I was kind of made aware of some news that could be happening, you know, between now and June twenty eighth. So I had to hurry home and and do some things. So I cut my my nine hole short. But man, I'm feeling good. I I did Valley View up in Layton this week. Love Have you course. been to Valley View? Oh, yeah. it's Love beautiful, it. beautiful. So I I did that earlier this week. Uh, I've been up to Glenmore, you know, since we, uh, since we've podcasted the last time, two weeks ago, uh, went up there, Mountain View, uh, over there as well on the West side. So man, I, I'm getting out. We're going to have to hit nine holes sometime soon. Are, are, are you strictly an 18 hole type of a guy? What, what, what are you up to? Steve, I'm, I'm really an easy going individual. I'll do anything. You know, if I'm out there, yeah. We, yeah, we'll record the podcast from the golf cart. We apologize. Oh, there we go before you know beforehand that there may be some wind in the back just get over <laughs> it and listen to the podcast anyway you'll be fine it's not going to affect you um but yeah i'm happy for you i'm playing this weekend up at the uh the beautiful ogden golf and country club oh, i'll get beautiful. you up there one of these beautiful. days and uh uh again uh, much love to yourself and of course kendra your girlfriend to all of our listeners we love you dearly you guys yeah um and, and we'll be back next week with, with hopefully some breaking news, Steve. Yeah, need it. Need Woo! it. All right, <laughs> gents and, and ladies. We'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. 